This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now grab a snack and get ready for Food Fables. Dimitri always liked to keep things fresh at his pie shop at the original farmer's market in Los Angeles. In addition to his famous apple pies, he'd always bake up something special, sometimes sweet, sometimes savory. The flavor of the day this time was a kiwi blueberry tart. He piled up a tray of the mini tarts along with a few whole kiwi fruits and carried it over to the community tables where a crowd was already waiting, fighting back the drool of anticipation for Dimitri's sensory treats, the fresh fruit tart to tingle their taste buds, and his words to fill their ears with delight. Dimitri passed around the mini tarts and rolled a few whole kiwi fruits down the table to the kids, who giggled as the fruits wobbled and darted directions, landing in front of one person when it seemed at first to be aimed at another. They grabbed the kiwis landing closest to them, and some swapped fruits just to watch them roll before their parents called an end to their game, making them select their final fruit of choice. Dimitri smiled and moved around the table handing out spoons, and stopping by each child to slice the very top off their kiwi so they could dig in and scoop out the flesh, some kids opting to use their fingers until their parents placed the spoon in their tiny palms. Dimitri spoke as he walked around the crowd. Kiwi fruit is a symbol of plenty and a tiding of good things to come. Good fortune, perhaps, as its glittering green or gold flesh is like that of gemstones. And good health for it is full of rich nutrients. Would you believe it has almost twice the vitamin C of an orange? Dimitri made his way back to the head of the table and began slicing the kiwi fruit in front of him. Yes, indeed. Vitamin C, nature's gold, is an essential nutrient and antioxidant. It helps the body produce collagen, the support system of the skin, and helps prevent damage caused by the sun, pollution, and smoke, improving overall skin health. Dimitri took two round slices of the fruit and first laid them over his eyes, then pressed them onto his grinning cheeks. The crowd laughed, and Dimitri winked as he popped the pieces into his mouth one at a time. It is one of the most nutrient-dense fruits and has been marketed as such, gaining popularity across the globe for its dazzling flavor and its power punch of health benefits, from reducing blood pressure to preventing heart disease and stroke to fighting cancer, and even promoting good, healthy sleep. Its international success is attributed to the fruit itself, of course, for its quality and its unusually long shelf life, ideal for exporting and shipping. But it was also its marketing that fueled the fruit's worldwide journey since its commercial inception. Marketing that gave it its name, Kiwi. Before commercial production began in New Zealand, The fruit grew wild in China, its native land, 
where it has many colloquial names like monkey peach, sun peach, and woodberry. New Zealand, though not its origin, proved to be a great new home for this fruit. And ironically enough, New Zealand now exports its kiwi fruit to China. It has taken on yet another nickname in Taiwan and Hong Kong, strange fruit, an apparent transliteration of the word kiwi fruit. But what of this evolution in name? Where did the word come from? Dimitri paused and ate a few more slices of the kiwi fruit with a satisfied hum. The word kiwi today is synonymous with New Zealand, a common word heard around the world, usually in reference to the fruit. But that little hairy berry, that small suede potato, with its soft brown skin and sweetly tart green or gold flesh, earned its kiwi label over time. A simple word, yet a proud title in New Zealand that started long ago in Maori tradition with a little furry brown brave bird. As usual, with a wipe of his napkin across his lips, like a curtain unveiling the opening act, Dimitri began his story. Dimitri spoke. Once upon a time, the great god of the forest, the king, Tani Mahuta, noticed that his children, the trees, were sick and weary. Spots appeared on their trunks, and their limbs fell soft, bent, and crooked. Blotches dotted their drooping leaves, which fell to the forest floor in wilted heaps. My loves, life of my life, what ails you so? Tani Mahuta asked as he stroked their fragile bark, full of holes. The king discovered that big, ravenous bugs were eating the trees, and he knew he must do something to protect his children. And so he called upon the birds of the forest. Vicious bugs are eating my trees, he said to the gathering of birds, all shapes and sizes. I need your help to save the forest. Who will help me? The birds fell silent. Not a single chirp as they looked around at one another, then up and down. The trees swayed in the wind, their branches creaking and groaning, as if begging the birds for help. Finally, one chirped from the back, asking, what do you need us to do? Tani Mahuta replied, The bugs live on the ground, and so you must as well. I will give you strong legs to run with, and a strong beak to smell and dig with. Alas, you will lose your bright colors, and take on the shades of the earth. You will not have a tail, and you shall never fly again. But you will save the forest, the home to many plants and animals, forever indebted to your bravery. Your name will never not be known. Again, the birds were quiet. Tani Mahuta looked at a bird called Tui, asking, Surely you will help me, won't you? Tui looked around to the other birds nervously, then up to the sunlight above, closing his eyes and enjoying the feeling of heat on his feathers. He opened his eyes and this time looked down, where he saw nothing but shade and darkness. Tui shuddered, ruffling his feathers as he replied, I'm sorry, my king, I cannot help you, for you see, I'm afraid of the dark. Tani Mahuta shrugged in dismay, then turned to the purple hen, Pukeko. Surely you will help, he said, but Pukeko too looked down at the cold, damp earth and cringed. I'm sorry, my king, I'm afraid I cannot bear the feel of the wet ground on my feet. I prefer the dry treetops. A few other birds tweeted along with their concerns. I don't like dirt, one peeped. I love my bright colors, chirped another. 
I don't want a long beak, said a third. We love to fly, they all sang together. Tani Mahuta was sad, but he understood. He closed his eyes and made one final plea to the crowd when a bird named Kiwi, the Maori word for hidden bird, spoke. I will do as you ask, my king. I will save the trees. Tani Mahuta was overjoyed as he called Kiwi forward, embracing the bird in both arms. Are you certain you are willing to make this sacrifice, Kiwi? Everyone turned to Kiwi as he responded. The forest is my home, and the trees my family. I must help them. With that, Kiwi said goodbye to each bird in turn, and then, with one final wave, he disappeared into the gloom of the forest below. Kiwi will be famous, Tani Mahuta proclaimed. Everyone, everywhere in the world, far and wide, will know and love his name. And so it was. Kiwi took on a new shape, which became a symbol in New Zealand. In the late 19th century, the kiwi found itself on many military badges, and by the start of the 20th century, the kiwi had replaced other common symbolic images as the key emblem for national cartoons, and even commodities like kiwi shoe polish. New Zealand soldiers during the First World War were the first to be called kiwis, adopting the nickname with pride. The use of the word soon spread to include all New Zealanders, increasing the name's popularity, as Tani Mahuta predicted. But it didn't stop there. With the turn of the 20th century came a new fruit that grew wild in China, known as the Chinese gooseberry. It fit in well in the New Zealand climate, rooting itself in the forest and making itself at home quite naturally. As the fruit's first commercial industry developed in New Zealand and marketing strategies were in search of a new name, the growers noticed that the furry, egg-shaped fruit bore a symbolic resemblance to their native, fuzzy, brown, flightless bird, the kiwi. And so, the Chinese gooseberry was reborn as the kiwi fruit, adopting it as part of their culture and marking it with pride as they shared it with the rest of the world. Advertising campaigns dominated the 1970s, and in the 80s, it was still considered an exotic and expensive fruit. But by the 1990s, the kiwi fruit became standard, making itself at home in many regions throughout the world. The name kiwi falling off the tips of tongues around the globe, just as Tani Mahuta predicted. The end. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Tune in next time for the latest food buzz. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time.